this evening or this this weekend. Um, I'll be speaking through a series that I'm calling uh, or titled Overcoming Harmful Attitudes and Emotions. But I don't know, do, do you ever have harmful attitudes or emotions? Is this, am I speaking to the crier or is this? So I, I came with an assumption that this would be relevant. Um, and one of the reasons I made the assumption was because it's relevant in my life and it's relevant in my church. And I um, assume that we can all um, grow in how we uh, process and uh, deal with our, our hearts, our emotions, our attitudes. After all, we just sang and we were expressing our praise to the love of Jesus and all the reasons why we appreciate his love. It's the work of the gospel in our lives. Amen? Amen. So we expect that to transform our lives. So let's read uh, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. I would like to give a little context before I read chapter or verse 1. Um, Paul was just uh, expressing to them um, how he prays for them, and he prays for them in view of God's love in the end of chapter 3. And he wanted them to know the greatness of God's love. The depth, the height, the width, the length. And so then we come into chapter 4. He says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I'm gonna, again, I'm going to pause because I want us to get context. I want us to understand uh, where he's going from. He's kind of doing a... Uh, a little bit of a switch here, in, if we were to go through Ephesians. Uh, Paul spent a, a lot of time helping us to understand our position in Christ. It's very rich. And so he's kind of making a switch here, and he uses this word, walk. Okay, I, I, as a prisoner, and maybe he says this because he wants them to understand that he knows what hardship is. And he's experienced Jesus in his hardship. As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I want you to be able to put into your walk what Jesus has done in your heart. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body 
There's one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Some, uh, a lot to think about there. Lots of ones, so we have a theme of God being one, in one body, one spirit, one Lord, and he's Lord over all of us. Verse 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, he ascended on high. Uh, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all will attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature uh, mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. So this text is calling us to live out of Christ's transformative work in our lives. Because we have one Lord and one God that has called us to one faith, we who are many, being part of this one body, are called to ministry. And he says that he's giving us, he's given the church gifts for the purpose of equipping us for ministry. Have you ever considered that you are called to a ministry? Or did you just think that was for the church leaders? All right, we had a young man up here leading some songs. He agreed to enter into a ministry. And there's many ways in which we minister in the body. And how we respond to each other is a part of our ministry. And so the question this evening is, are we uh, mindful of how we do body life? Are we mindful of how we interact with each other? And 
Are we mindful of how Jesus wants to use me to be a part of his building? The one thing about the body of Christ is that it doesn't happen by itself. The text told us that the body of Christ grows and develops when each one of us do our part. It grows itself up in love, it says. And the joints actually hold together and function when we're doing our part. I'd like to ask the question then, have any of you experienced hurt? Have you ever been disillusioned or offended? Someone said something that hurts your feelings? Yeah, we, we experience that at times. And so I would like to address, we're in this series of overcoming harmful attitudes and emotions. Um, we're going to go through a number of series. This evening we're going to, we're going to talk about responding to hurt. Um, and in the subsequent uh, talks we'll, we'll cover um, overcoming harmful anger. We'll talk about uh, responding to fear in relationships um, and, uh, and the problem of pride. Now, I hope I didn't scare you away, but I'd like, thank you, very kind of you. Because we want to be able, um, as verse 15 says, to speak the truth in love and to grow up into Christ in every way. Rather than to be those that are tossed to and fro, those that... Um, are offended and, you know, there's a saying that says, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And so we want to avail ourselves of the work of Jesus, his sanctification in our lives. Aaron shared about seeing the good in situations and choosing to have a good attitude. Well, that's not always easy, is it? And so hopefully going through this, we can, this can equip us to not only want to have a good attitude, but maybe to equip us how we can respond. How do we respond, responding to, to hurt? The first point that I want to make this evening is that hurt is unavoidable. And so, if you want to create a situation, and maybe your objective is to say, well, let's, let's have a church where we don't hurt each other. Well, you can try, 
I don't want to be a bad prophet, but I don't think it's going to work. And so I think it's better for us to have what I would consider a biblical understanding that actually hurt is unavoidable. And so we have to be okay with that. But we don't have to be devastated by that because Jesus equips us to respond. I've got to get used to my presentation here. So the Bible primarily teaches us how to respond to hurt and how to avoid hurting others, but there's not as much of a focus on how to avoid getting hurt. So in other words, um, make sure you handle yourself this way and this way and this way to protect yourself from getting hurt. Now, when you follow biblical principles of love, and we'll learn this once we get through this, that, that does have a protected, uh, protective element to it. But the, the teachings of, of Jesus and the apostles focus on how we respond to being hurt and how we should relate to others as not to hurt them. Jesus said to his disciples, and these are two different translations here, in NIV it says, things that Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. Or it, it is impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. And in this context, he's also talking specifically about not offending a child. Um, but he expands the idea in the text as well that uh, offenses come. That's not the question. The question is, the issue is, but woe to him who caused the offense. <clears throat> People are frequently hurt, even when others don't intend to be hurtful. We can uh, say something. I, I remember that was a challenge uh, in my wife and I's relationship early on when we're getting to know each other. One would say something and they had, we, we would have good intentions but we were offended by it because we misunderstood it. Had you ever experienced that where you say something and someone responded in an unexpected way? And you felt so misunderstood. And how was that hurtful? But oh, it hurt them so bad. That happens. What are you going to do about it? Well, we want to learn how to interact with that and deal with that. Here's an idea that I think is important for us to consider. How we respond to hurt is developed in our family of origin, and I'll just make some points on that and why I think it's uh, important to recognize that. We're conditioned and developed in the context of family. So um, a child's uh, most a period of time that they are most developed is, is from like one to ten years old. And we are shaped by our environment. And so if, if the way we, our family responds to offense and, and hurts and strife uh, is to shut down and just don't talk about it anymore. 
um, just keep the peace, just don't talk about it, then that's likely how you'll handle conflict uh, as an adult, is you'll just avoid it, it gets touchy and prickly, yeah, you don't got a whole lot to say. Maybe your family is one that is in your face, and you're going to get a response when things get prickly. Um, and you, if you condition that way, well, then you're more prone to be confrontational. And, um, and, 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 and if it's not in a healthy way, then more hurtful. Um, this is just an example. Um, there's many examples, but remember Abraham when he was sojourning? Um, I, I didn't even look up the text uh, in the, forget the land that he was in there. Um, he lied to the, the king of the, the country saying, yeah, my, that, that's not my, you know, I forget what, well, yeah, that's my sister, that's my sister. Um, referring to Sarah because uh, he, uh, he was trying to protect her and, and uh, it's actually, was his wife. Well, I, Isaac, he ends up doing the same thing. He learned from dad. Um, and we see that repeated in, in family lines and other examples throughout scripture. Um, certain traits are passed down. Can you think uh, of times when you responded in such a way that made you think of like your parents or your grandparents and how they responded? Um, and this is just a, a thought um, experiment for you to think about this idea of how our families affect us. And what about your children? Have you seen them respond uh, in a situation in a negative way and it's like, oh, I have to admit, they probably got that from me. Um, it's hard to see when your children respond like you, right? Um, but that's a hard reality. Um, and uh, maybe something you say that you really shouldn't say, um, and then your child says it, it's like, oh, no. Um, but that's just, how, that's just how it is. So understanding this, understanding that how I respond to hurt is, uh, can likely be conditioned by my family of origin, um, this helps uh, us to understand that my response is not usually random. It's, I can, uh, I've been, uh, can maybe conditioned that way. And that our responses could be related to unresolved issues in my family or in other relationships. And so it's helpful to be able to, to identify that so that we can um, take responsibility for it, to say, this is my problem. And Jesus, would you come and sanctify this in my life? I um, recently heard of a son that, uh, a teenage young man that was going through some, some hard things and he, he came to a realization of some things that were going on in his life and he came to his dad, he said, Dad, you know, I think I'm starting to understand the reason that I feel distant from God. It's because on a particular decision that you made, I haven't forgiven you. And so he was able to make that connection. And so in our families, 
we have situations that occur and we learn how to respond to offense. And for this young man, he realized he had, he had responded in a way that he related to his dad with unforgiveness and it was affecting his relationship with God. And so it's important for us to identify uh, these things that may lie within our hearts. Getting our feelings hurt doesn't give us a pass to be unforgiving or to hurt back. Now, I think most of us know this. <laughs> most of us believe this. Um, but when we, our feelings are hurt and when we feel offended, we want to see some level of justice. We want to see this wrong that was wronged against me or if you say to yourself, I'm not the only one that's offended. They offended them and them too. Okay, so this doesn't just affect me. So that justifies it even more. I've got to look out for them. This person can't keep going around and offending people. We've got to bring this to justice. Or uh, this needs to come to a stop. And so we start to formulate in our minds how we can bring this to an end, but the problem is, is that when we're offended, we have an imbalanced view of justice and equity, as well as our own pain. Uh, we don't have, often, we don't have healthy views of our own pain, because it hurts. Um, and so, we're not in a position to find justice, <laughs> and to wrong uh, to right the wrong, as it were, right? But that's not even what we were called to. We weren't called to um, right the wrongs against us. The way we most naturally respond to hurt is to hurt back or to withdraw from relationship. I've been offended. I don't uh, feel comfortable relating to this person. And so... I'll avoid them, or I'll make sure they know. The Old Testament response of eye to eye protected against escalation. And so the Old Testament allowed if, if, if you were hurt at one level, then you get the hurt back on the equal level, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And that kept the playing field equal, right? Avoid escalation. But the New Testament calls us to love and forgiveness and healing. It calls us uh, to a standard that doesn't just avoid escalation, it actually finds resolution. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. See, God actually cares about that. Did you know it? When you're offended, when you've been hurt, when you've been wronged, God cares about that, even more than you do. And he's the one that is able to wrong, right that wrong, to address that. 
Don't avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. This is such an important principle to, to understand. And this doesn't only have to do with when I'm offended and when I'm hurt. But this has to do when I see wrongs in this world and I see people oppressed. And we want to see justice brought. Well, God does too. But there's a role for everyone to play and God didn't give us the role to bring justice in terms of executing wrath and vengeance. He's called us to bring justice by caring for the widows and, and the oppressed and the fatherless. To be his agents of love and forgiveness and healing and redemption. Our hearts don't know how to really right the wrongs. God is the judge and he's the avenger. And the larger context of Romans 12 says that we should love our enemies. We should do good to those that despitefully use us. And it does say that when you repay evil with good, it does it is like heaping coals of fire on their head. It does have an effect, but it's not through vengeance. It's through love. You know, David was chased by King Saul. Just chased and chased and chased. Saul wanted King David dead. But when David had opportunity to kill him, he showed honor. Romans 12 calls us to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And David did that. He said, I can't touch, I can't put my hand on the anointed one. He responded in honor to Saul by not harming him when he had a chance to kill him twice. We need to know our, our place and our role in our response to hurt. Harboring hurt feelings births bitterness and resentment. Okay? So hurt is unavoidable. I get it honestly. How I respond to it comes honestly. I've been conditioned by my family and my environment. And I'm not supposed to get even. And so many people end up sitting with it. And letting those hurt feelings just stay there and stay there. But it births bitterness and resentment. You know, if you keep opening a deep flesh wound to see how deep it is, and you go around and you show it to others, see, look at my gaping wound. Oh, just look at how wounded I am, right? That's a deep one. Eventually it could become infected. And if it's still not treated because you just, oh, look at my, my wound. 
Or you don't, maybe you don't show it to others, but daily you, you look at it yourself. Oh, I was wounded so badly. That's a deep one. We don't do that, do we? With flesh wounds. We know better, plus it would hurt. Yeah, it would hurt. But guess what? We tend to do that. We can tend to do that with our emotional wounds too, can't we? Oh, but that would hurt. Well, yeah, it does. But that, we just let it fester and fester. The Bible says that bitterness not only destroys us, but it hurts others. So similarly, our emotional wounds that are treated with sulking or stewing and not treated properly for healing will ultimately bring spiritual death to you and hurt others in the process. Hebrews 12 talks about how Jesus brings discipline into our lives difficult circumstances and situations because he says it's because I'm treating you as my son you're a legitimate son and because I care about you and I care about your development I bring difficult situations in your life but it concludes and says that for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So are we willing to be trained by our good Father in these difficult situations? Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but be healed. See to it then that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Isn't this such a message of hope? And so I'd like to ask the question, do you have hurts festering in your hearts this evening? And if, have you wanted healing? Do you not want to have those offenses and those hurts sitting there and eating at you? You're kind of tired of it, like you've got the point by now, it hurts. But I don't know what to do with it. I continue to feel angry at so-and-so. I still can't believe that that happened. Oh, but whenever I run into them, it all comes back again, and I don't know how to relate. Is it still sitting there and stewing and festering? Well, first of all, that situation might not have been by accident. Whatever created the hurt, whatever created the conflict, it might have been there for your good. God might have had a plan to train you through a difficult relationship situation. 
Did you ever think about it? It could have been God's good plan for you. Not to destroy you, but to train you. So that later, it would yield peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's hope. Yeah. And so now, if you have that in your life, now let's, let's respond. Let's grab onto that. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint. So that it doesn't, you don't become more wounded. And so that you don't close the door to the grace of God in your life. Because the grace of God is there to train you and to heal you and to restore you and to equip you and to empower you. And so that it doesn't become bitterness so that when people around you aren't infected by that as well. Good news. Good news. Unlike David, King Saul harbored jealousy, which birthed bitterness and resentment, even though David spared his life. Saul chose not to forgive. But hurt can only be healed through forgiveness and love. Her, uh, forgiveness and love is the grace of God. In Romans 12, we want to obtain the grace of God. Hurts don't have to be devastating and debilitating. Jesus knows what it is to be emotionally and physically hurt. Let me see if I... This may, this may be a bad sentence. Jesus knows what it is to be emotionally and physically by other hurt people. It's supposed to be the word hurt. Jesus knows what it is to be emotionally and physically hurt by other people. Yeah, my hurt's in the wrong place there. He was betrayed, <coughs> accused, abandoned, tortured. I think it's important for us to, to understand this. Hebrews 4, verse 15 says, For we have not a high priest who is unable to identify with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way as we have, yet without sin. Therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find help in a time of need. If you didn't know that verse before, write it down. Hebrews 4.15. It's critical. Jesus can identify. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in their affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ, 
we share abundantly in comfort too. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? I think it's excellent. Identifying with Christ in his suffering is a product of receiving his forgiveness, which was made possible through his suffering. Unforgiveness hinders you from experiencing God's forgiveness. We see that in Matthew 6.14. If we're unwilling to forgive, it says, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Love protects your heart by choosing not to self-protect. By loving and forgiving, you actually protect your heart from very destructive attitudes and behaviors. And we see this in the characteristics of love in, in 1 Corinthians 13. It's not irritable, it's not resentful, it's not arrogant, it's not rude, it's patient, it's kind. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So how does this apply to me? Let's try to wrap this up. I'm running over time, I believe. How does this apply to me? Well, is there an issue in your life that you've been hurt by or that you have um, hurt and the issue is still unresolved? How could you, as a recipient of God's grace and forgiveness, be a part of resolution and healing? Is it possible that unresolved hurt or conflict is affecting how you enter into relationships now? Are, the people, are there people that you avoid at family gatherings or who you hope not to run into in the grocery store? Are certain personalities that are more particularly hard for you to relate to because they trigger associations of pain and conflict? This is not to say that we avoid certain personalities because we don't like them. This is specifically talking about unresolved issues in your life. Can you identify ways that you speak or act that doesn't reflect Christ's love and could be hurtful? Or has, uh, has someone else identified that in you? Has your wife or... Your husband said, uh, I think the way you said that wasn't great. A little rough around the edges. I think that was, there was potential for hurt there. Well, how do you receive that? Do you take it seriously, humbly? Are you willing to pray and ask Jesus to help you communicate the love of Jesus more in your speech and actions? So why all of this? Because we're a part of the body of Christ. And it's a body that's united in Jesus. And it's a body that grows itself up in love when each one is doing its part. And it's a body that speaks the truth in love. And we want to be that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that while we were yet dead in our trespasses and sins, you loved us. You first loved us. 
and you died an atoning death that we would be ransomed and redeemed and forgiven. We are recipients of your grace. But I pray that those things that hurt, we don't always know what to do about, that maybe we haven't responded well to, that we wouldn't let those things hinder us from receiving the grace of God. We want, we want to allow them to be redemptive and to be healed so that we can comfort others in the comfort that we've received from you. We want to be healed people and we want to be agents of your healing and we want to be a contributor to your body. We want to function in a healthy way in your body. Thank you that you've equipped us and you've provided for us to respond to difficult relationships, to hurt and offenses. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.